then Timothy, that means that that's what you come from. That's what you come from, is that ability to stand in the face of something or someone who does not believe in what you believe, who thinks you're crazy and stupid, who thinks that the place that you stand in is not legit, and you come from the stock and the heritage and the legacy to stand. Do you know that sometimes the only thing that keeps me going is when I look back in my life and realize the strength of my ancestors? Do you know what it takes to last through cargo ships? Do you know what it takes to last when dogs are put on you? Do you know what it takes to have a fire hydrant released and you still say I ain't gonna let nobody turn me around so if they were able to stand through that then why am I mad about what somebody says on Instagram why am I upset about a boss that does not believe in me I'm not the first person to come through this and I will not be the I come from greatness I come from resilience I come from power I come from intelligence I come from spirituality for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass, this podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. Hey, 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 what's up? Listen here. How you been, fam? Wow. Wow. No, really, really, really. How have you been? We got to stop waiting so long to meet. You really ought to call me more often. You really should. You really should. (laughs) Anybody else got family like that where every time you see them, they talk about why you don't call? Why you don't call me? (laughs) Some of my grandparents, like, I could literally have just seen them the night before. And if I go to the house the next morning, they'd be like, well, Prinny, you just don't ever visit us or call. I'd be like, I was just, I was just here last night. Why you don't call me? What's up y'all? Um, listen, it's been way too long. I'm glad we're back in full effect. I've got so much new content to unleash to you and I'm excited. But first of all, I want to thank God for life and love. And I want to thank you for listening. Welcome again to Building Without a Blueprint. We still in effect. We still have a show. This is still a part of what we do. And I've got some stuff literally stored up. This episode is going to be a great example of that. I've got so much stuff stored up that I'm like bursting at the seams. And so I want to get right to it. In a future episode, I want to catch you up on my life and just kind of let you know what's been going down. This has been one of the most uh, impactful, crazy summers I've ever lived through. And I just want to update you. And and sometimes I don't ever pause just to kind of reflect and share. And so I want to do that in a future episode. For now, let's get to some word. I want to share this with you. So here's the pretext, the context for this. I was in my room cleaning, no doubt the story. I was in my room cleaning. I had just finished a major event at the church. And typically one of the ways that I process is I clean because my room is often a mess because it's like a reflection of my brain when an event is happening or a sermon. And so I'm putting clothes away and I'm, you know, cleaning papers that haven't been filed that just got thrown on a dresser and whatever. And I find this disc and this disc was from a sermon I preached in January of this year. And um, I had honestly forgot that I preached it like high key. And I was like, oh, maybe we should just listen to this and see what this is about. And I listened to it. And all of a sudden, I was thrown into shock. Here's why. It was a perfect time for me to find it because we're in the month of November and I am beginning my end of year reflection. In my own personal life, I'm beginning to analyze. Here's what was amazing this year. Here's where I saw God move. Here's where I unearthed some toxic behaviors. Here's where I made some really dumb decisions. Here's where I got hurt. Here's where I, whatever. And I'm getting ready for, for 2020. And I was listening to this sermon and it was a reflection of this is where I started out the year. Like I started out the year in this frame of mind, teaching this message and making this commitment for my life. And it gave me an opportunity to look 
now back from November at January to November and say, did I hold true to this? Was this really what I allowed this year to be about? And so that's why I want to share it. That's why I want to share a beginning of the year message at the end of the year so that you um, with me can stop and say, did I do that this year? And it might not have been for this topic, but for whatever it was that you were looking at and that you were committing to when you set this year out, did you do that? If you did, celebrate yourself. If you did not, give grace to yourself, but also hold yourself accountable. Why didn't you? What what changed from the beginning of the year to this point? What got in your way? Maybe it was stuff that was out of your control. Maybe it was some stuff that was in your control. What can you still recover with about seven, eight more weeks left to go in this year? So the message is called Stir It Up. And I appreciate at the beginning of the year essentially saying that whatever's inside of you, uh, we need to stir it up. That was Paul's instruction to Timothy, that as a young pastor, even though you might not be getting the respect that you think you deserve, even though things might not be going your way, you need to make a commitment to you that your responsibility is not how people respond to your gift. It's not what people say or do. It's how you see you and the investment that you make in your own gift. And so that's what the sermon is about. Stir it up. Are you stirring it? Are you investing in what's inside of you? Not about are other people investing in it, not about do other people believe, but for you, are you investing in you? And are you reaching your highest levels of healthy productivity so that you can make the most out of the gifts that you've been given? That's this message. I want you to listen. I want you to laugh with me. I want you to journey with me. But most importantly, I want you to reflect with me. I got to be honest, in some ways, I definitely started up the gift this year. In some ways, I started up to level 10. And in others, I let things like loneliness get in my way. I let sometimes an over interest in trying to figure out my relationship status, Um, sometimes being so afraid that that wouldn't work out, trying to over pursue or or, or deal with that, that sometimes I glorified that more than I glorified my calling or the effects thereof. There were some moments where I let some things go in fear, where I thought maybe I'm not enough for that. And God was clearly presenting the opportunity, but I didn't give my all. It's a mixed bag. (laughs) It really is. But that's what life is about. And so listen to this sermon. I got so much energy for 2020, and that's what I want to provide for you. So listen, and then we'll talk at the end of this. This message is called Stir It Up. Let's go back from November and listen to January, and let's reflect. Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles. Let's go straight to the Word, fam. Let's go straight to it. Let's go straight to it. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I want to read a familiar passage of Scripture that I think has a good relevance to where we are in the course of our lives at the beginning of this year. I uh, prayed a lot and asked a lot and waited a lot about not just what do you say, what do you preach? The Bible is full of things to preach. You can find just about anything to say on any given day, but what matters for this moment as we stand at the beginning of the year? And so I want to unpack something just a little bit that I hope is going to be a blessing. Second Timothy, the first chapter, uh, and let's begin at uh, the third verse. All right. Second Timothy one verse three. And it says this. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Verse 6, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm going to read that again. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of what? Love and of a sound mind. All right, for uh, our next few moments that we have together, I want to use for a subject, stir it up. Stir it up. Why don't you just say that? Say, stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. up. Find somebody near you. Tell them, stir it up. 
Stir it up. Stir it up. Don't leave it sitting there. Stir it up. Don't don't let it get stale. Stir it up. Uh, don't don't have it just chilling. Stir it up. Don't be casual about what's in you. Stir it up. Don't leave it like it's just nothing. Stir it up. God gave it to you. Stir it up. If you have it, then don't just possess it. Do something with it. Stir it up. I want to light a fire in you this morning that you would leave from here and feel pressed to do something with what God has given you. I find it interesting that for us to be in touch with the God of the universe, Christians are some of the most risk averse people on the entire planet. Let me say it again. For us to be in touch with the God of the universe, Christians sometimes have a tendency of being the most risk averse people in the world. What risk averse means is that we will look at something and be like, oh, that's too risky. I ain't going to touch that. Some of the most comfortable people at times, some of the most complacent people at times, some of the most immobile people. I want you to look at your life and just ask yourself, have I been as productive with my life as I could be? And if there's any hesitation there, it's time to stir it up. If you hesitate for a second at looking at your own life and assessing, man, have, have, have I made the most of what was given to me? Let me, let me tell you something. T.D. Jake said something that blew my mind the other day. He said this. He said, I started working very hard because I knew that someone else could take my hand and win. Let me say that again. He said, I started working hard from a ministry perspective and in terms of becoming my life. He said, because I realized that someone else could take the hand that I was dealt in life and win with it. And some of us look at, well, I didn't have this and I didn't have. And the reason why I never became was because I didn't have this. But there's somebody who could have been given your same life circumstance and changed the world with it. Because it's not about what you have, it's about whether or not you stirred it up. There are those, this is how you can tell privilege. This is how you can tell privilege. This is how you can tell privilege. Go to somebody's house and give them the same refrigerator. And two people look at that refrigerator two totally different ways. I would look at a refrigerator and say, man, ain't nothing to eat. I'm just going to eat out tonight. You let my grandmother look at that same refrigerator she be, child, it's enough food in here for us to eat all week. By the time you take this and that and let me warm this up, and as a matter of fact, throw that on the stove, and that that you use for that ain't really bad. You can reuse that for this. Why? Because she has learned how to. In our text today, we're dealing with a young man by the name of Timothy. Paul is his mentor, his spiritual father, who has been able to see Timothy grow up in the faith. And what is interesting is these books of 1st and 2nd Timothy are Paul's life instructure to Timothy. Before I die, here's what I need you to know about life and ministry. And he says to Timothy something very important. He says, I want to recall to your mind that you must stir up the gift. Now, that only makes sense if you understand the point in life where Timothy is. Timothy is not somebody who is a non-believer. He believes in God. Timothy is not somebody who is not gifted. He has a gift. Timothy is not somebody who's not in leadership. He is in leadership. But he's come to a point in life where he's not productive or as productive as he could be. Part of it is because Timothy has reached a stale block in his church perspective. He's a young pastor with seasoned members. Let me, let me help you see the, let me help you see the scene, okay? He's a young pastor with seasoned members. Now, no, you, you, you can't really imagine that because your pastor has wisdom, age, success, and all that. But imagine your pastor is 17, and you show up and he say, this is the way, and this is the position you can have, this is the one you can't have, and this is what the word of the Lord says. I know quite a few of y'all that would run little 17-year-old right up back down La Brea. He was in a position where everything he said wouldn't stick and his, his ideas wouldn't work and, and his convictions wouldn't take weight because they were so bent on the fact that some of them were upset about his age. Some of them were upset because he was a mentee of Paul. 
And because they didn't really vibe with Paul, they didn't want to give in to Timothy because to endorse Timothy would mean to give in to the fact that Paul really was sent by God. And in this final letter, Paul says to Timothy, what what I need you to understand is that in order to get there, you don't need more anointing. You don't need more money. You, You don't need younger members. You you don't even really need for me to be there to vouch for you. What you need is to stir up what's inside you. Could it be that it wasn't the people's fault why Timothy wasn't effective? Could it be that it, it, it wasn't their fault that they didn't receive his leadership? Was it that they didn't believe in Timothy? Or was it that Timothy didn't believe in Timothy? Was it really that they had an issue with how old he was? Or was it that Timothy used his age as a reason why he wasn't truly qualified to sit in that seat? Was it really that they didn't like Paul? Or was it that Timothy was so in part ashamed of the dynamics of that relationship and what it could mean that he was a little more timid than he should have been? Was it that maybe Timothy didn't speak up with the voice he needed to have? That what he said was good, but he never believed it enough to say it at the volume needed to say it at? Could it be that that maybe Timothy had had never studied long enough, not just about preaching, but about the administration of leading people? So when it came to preaching, he was cool. But when it came to have a meeting on Monday morning about how to run the church, he sank back into, well, I'm just a kid. This is why some of Paul's advice was despise not small beginnings. This is why some of Paul's advice was let no man despise your youth. This is why some of Paul's advice was, listen, it ain't about what people see in you. It's about what you see in your own self. So the first thing I must challenge, if you're going to stir it up, I want you to write this down. What you stir depends upon what you see. Write that down. What you stir depends upon what you see. What you stir depends upon what you see. The reason why you're not stirring anything is because you don't see it in yourself. Let me begin this by saying that where you are in life or where you are not in comparison to where God has called you has nothing to do with other people. It has nothing to do with who did not advocate for you. It has nothing to do with the resources that you don't have. It has nothing to do with what people did to harm you in times past. It has nothing to do where you are not has all to do with what you see in yourself. Because what you see, you will stir. Let me pause here and say that many of us are trying to change behaviors in people. And instead of changing the behavior, we need to change what they see. If you're having problems with family members, with children, with people in relationship, and you go, why, why do they keep doing this? Why do they keep doing this? And, and all you keep doing is coming down on the behavior. Like, that's so bad. That's so stupid. Why would you do that? Why would you, instead of helping them to see something different, people will stir what they see. Why is she always in them kind of relationships? Because that's what she or he sees. Why does he always get quiet like that? Because that's what he sees. Can I tell you, especially in black culture, man, can I tell you we love to yell at our kids when they don't get their homework right? I saw this this beautiful thing on uh, Instagram, and it said, um, black parents don't ever help you with a problem. They just scream the problem louder and louder. (laughs) They'd be like, if a train is going at 65 miles an hour, mom, I don't understand. Listen, if a train is going 65 miles, (laughs) we think that we're going to scare them into it, right? Like, Imagine how many times does a child bring a report card home and you yell at them about the D instead of affirming that they are not a D student. How many of us would have produced differently if we were told, do you know how many times we tell our black and brown kids this is who you are and so they manifest that and then we yell at them that they manifested it? 
We tell them like, man, you're so stupid. I can't believe I had stupid kids and you just, your father couldn't read either. And I don't understand what it's going to take to get you to do that. And so the child then goes back to school and they see that in themselves. So now they're going to stir that. They're not going to stir homework. They're not going to stir good study habits. They're not going to stir good company. And then they're going to get involved with things that reinforce what you said. And then when the fruit of that comes back to you, you're going to be mad at them. You stir what you see. So in order to address what we produce, it must begin by adjusting what you see about. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I release over you supernatural sight. Lift your hands. This is a prophetic moment. I release over you supernatural sight that in the weeks and months to come, you will be able to look at things and see them differently. I release over you that you will not see your kids the same way. You will not see yourself the same way. You will not see your church the same way. But the Lord will release over, oh God, God grant us the ability to see what you see. Lord, I know what it looks like right now, but I don't want to see it the way I see it. I want to see it the way you see it. I release it over you in this house that you will be able to look at things and it's going to be the same kid but you're going to see something different. It's going to be the same job, but you're going to see something different. And once you see it, you'll be able to stir it. Perhaps Timothy never saw himself in the light that he needed to, and that's why he didn't stir it. You stir what you see. Second of all, it's very interesting to me that Paul says, stir up the gift that is within you, okay? So the first point I want to leave you with is you stir what you see. Second of all, you stir what's within you. You stir what's within you. Many of us are trying to stir stuff that is outside of us and hoping for a harvest. I'm going to stir in their relationship. I'm going to stir in that business. I'm going to stir, and we continue to look externally for what God has provided. Paul had to remind Timothy, look. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One of my mentors in the faith said this, and I never, ever forgot it. This was about three years ago. He said, I want you to write this down. Pastor Hosea Collins said this. He said, it's not what you don't have that's stopping you. It's what you think you need. This goes under point number two, which is you stir what's within. It's not what you don't have that's stopping you. It's what you think you need. Whenever we start to go into growth and strategy meetings, right, for business, for churches, etc., you'd be surprised how many times people are reliant on external stuff. When God says everything you need, I've put in the house. And we want to go reach out and grab things, right? Like we'll be able to do this when this happens. And God's like, no, that's not the way the formula works. You steward what I've already given you. You grow that, and then I will add to it. It's not what you don't have. It's what you think you need. Like, I'd be so much further in. God's like, no, if you needed that, I would have given it to you. If you, you individually, for what I have called you to, needed that, then I would have given it to you. Some of us are still handicapped, right? And and here's what I want to tell you. The pain of what you don't have is real. It's just not an excuse to stop pursuing. The pain of not having a father in your life is real. And we got to deal with that. We got to heal from it. We've got to process it. But it is not an excuse to stop pursuing. Because it goes back to what Bishop Jake said. Somebody else could have come through the same context and won with it. You stir what is within. He said, it's already in you, Timothy. In other words, what you waiting on, bro? It's, It's already in you. It's already in you and what is powerful about that is when you know it's already in you he says first of all it's in you because it was in your mother and grandmother okay so part of the reason why I have to stir it up is because I inherited this I want you to write this down My gift is an inheritance. My gift is an inheritance. It's within me, but I got to acknowledge where it came from. It did not start with me. Paul says to Timothy, listen, 
it was first in your mother and in your grandmother, which in other words means if they had not laid the spiritual foundation, you wouldn't be here. But the flip side of it is, Timothy, why would you be afraid when that's what you stand on? Timothy, why would you be afraid when you stand on the legacies of two strong women who knew how to believe God? Watch this. The Bible makes no reference to Timothy's father or grandfather being a believer. Which means that the strength of the women who came before him meant that they had to stand firm in what they knew and believed in the face of their partners who did not believe like they did. Watch this. So if they could do that in the face of their husbands, Timothy, you can do that in the face of this church. Y'all are not hearing me this morning. Y'all are not hearing me. If the people who came before you could look in the faces of their husbands, family members, whoever it was that Paul does not mention who did not believe, if they could look in their faces and still say, this is what I believe, then Timothy, that means that that's what you come from. That's what you come from, is that ability to stand in the face of something or someone who does not believe in what you believe, who thinks you're crazy and stupid, who thinks that the place that you stand in is not legit, and you come from the stock and the heritage and the legacy to stand. Do you know that sometimes the only thing that keeps me going is when I look back in my life and realize the strength of my ancestors? Do you know what it takes to last through cargo ships? Do you know what it takes to last when dogs are put on you? Do you know what it takes to have a fire hydrant released and you still say I ain't gonna let nobody turn me around so if they were able to stand through that then why am I mad about what somebody says on Instagram why am I upset about a boss that does not believe in me I'm not the first person to come through this and I will not be the I come from greatness I come from resilience I come from power I come from intelligence I come from spirituality You must realize, Timothy, where it came from. You must realize that before you, before you, before you, you receive this as an inheritance. Now watch me. Because you receive this as an inheritance, that means that you are strong. But now because you receive this as inheritance, that means you are responsible. (laughs) Write those two things down. When you receive an inheritance, you are strong. It first dwelt in your mother, then your grandmother. When you receive an inheritance, you are strong. But number two, when you receive an inheritance, you are responsible. So, Timothy, I don't don't care how you feel, fam. I mean, I do care, but the fact that this is in you means that you got to carry it. You got to stir it up. He says it was in you because of your mother and your grandmother, right? He says something else that's interesting. He says... It was in you, watch this, by the laying on of hands, right? What Paul is referring to is the time when Paul and the others came to ordain Timothy as a pastor. And as a part of the ordination process, they laid hands on him and transferred to him certain spiritual gifts. The Bible provides us many models of that, where one of the ways of receiving spiritual gifts is that someone who was an elder or someone who was already present in the faith who operated in those gifts would lay hands on you and transfer said gifts, okay? You have to be careful who you allow to transfer into you. Because the same methodology, right? Satan is nothing but a copycat. He does not invent anything. All he does is take what God has created and inverts it for his own glory. So now, when many of us, by virtue of of the proximity of our relationships, by virtue of our conversations, by virtue of sex, by virtue of all those things, what we don't understand is happening is more than interaction. Transfers are occurring. And many times, the reason why we can't stir it up it's because of a bad transfer. You ever thought about, and, and I have, so don't feel guilty. You ever found yourself doing something and wondered, where did I learn this? You ever like didn't cuss for most of your life and then start cussing and be like, where did I learn how to cuss? 
with pretty decent arrangement of words. You ever, you ever, you ever <laughs> I know some of y'all are super saved, but for the, for the three of you all that'll be honest, you ever like used to not drink and then go to the bar and realize you know what to order? How did I know that Hennessy went with that? Who, who taught me? Let's go deeper. You ever wake up and realize that all of a sudden you make an enemy out of a lot of people? Be like, man, I used to not care this much. Why do I all of a sudden feel like everybody ought to get me now? Why do I look at people weird all the time? Transfers. Paul says, Timothy, you've received a legacy which makes you strong and it makes you responsible. But he says, what I need you to do is I need you to trust your transfer. He says, I need you to trust your transfer. You've seen my walk. You've seen who I am. You know what was given to you when we laid hands on you. And now I need you to trust what you receive. I need you to trust it because I'm not always going to be around to activate it for you. I need you to trust it because I'm not always going to be able to write you a letter and tell you here's what you say to sister so-and-so. I need you to trust it because there's going to come a time where you're going to have to stand flat-footed and it's going to have to come from within you. So you have to trust what I transferred. He says, and Timothy, when you see what's in you, when you acknowledge that it's an inheritance that came from people who demonstrated these behaviors that you feel like you can't achieve or work into your life, he said, then number three, when you trust the transfer, your behavioral response is to stir it up. Can I work this for the last few minutes that I have? Write this down. Whatever you don't stir will do three things. Four, sorry. Whatever you don't stir, first of all, will burn. Whatever you don't stir will burn. Whatever gift God has given you, whatever purpose, whatever assignment, um, whatever opportunities that you don't stir will burn. Sometimes unprocessed potential will cause destruction. Sometimes if potential and giftings and talents don't find the proper outlet, they will cause destruction. Drug dealers are not bad people. They're actually quite brilliant. It's just potential funneled through the wrong thing. But because we've been conditioned to see, especially people of color, right, who do these things as inherently evil, right? You're the devil because you sell drugs. Right? Instead of seeing and stirring something different. Imagine if you saw like, yo, what you're doing is running a business. You have employees, you have a product, you have capital, you have a marketing strategy, and quite a bit of revenue. So let's take that same thing and, and funnel it into something else. Or even better, like, let's figure out how, especially if you're somebody who has access to what they need, let me figure out how I get you access to those resources that would help you turn that around. Because the other thing that we like to do is tell you that you should be doing something different, but not advocate for you to have the resources to do that. Right? I'm going to tell you you should go to school knowing you ain't got the money to go to school. Right? Okay, so great. How does that help me? Thank you, prophet. <laughs> this is why it's important for, for you to see, right? Because... If you don't see, especially um, parents, I think one of the biggest things that I'm appreciative about in my parents is their ability to see what was in my brother and I. And they were like, look, we, we don't want to. I think a lot of people, especially when I was doing interviews as a young child, the, the natural story of a kid preacher, right, is that the parents that are behind it see a profit opportunity. Right? They see an opportunity to, to exploit this circus act for gain. Um, but th that narrative is just not common because what you don't unpack is how much it takes to steward that. Like you, you literally have to give up much of your life as a parent for your child, for your child, period. But especially when your child finds a career or calling or purpose very early. And so I was so appreciative of uh, my, my mom and dad because they saw these things at work in my brother and I and allowed it to be funneled into something that um, was positive. Because we very well could have taken these same talents and been destructive. Because whatever gift, talent, or potential you have, if it's not stirred, will become a part of something else. You know, a lot of people who, <clears throat> like, and, and this is why it's so dangerous. This is why a context of abusers are so hurtful because they use these things for, for gain, right? They use things like charm and false vulnerability and their talent, right? 
all those things are very good, right? That charm, that you can like win a lot of people's trust with that. But funneled into the wrong thing, when you start to use people and when you want to use them sexually, when you want to go through multiple relationships and womanize and all that kind of stuff, it's those same things that are good that weren't stirred in the right direction. And now things are burning as a result. Whatever you don't stir, number one, will burn. Number two, whatever you don't stir will stick. Whatever you don't stir will stick. If you don't stir them grits on the stove, they're going to stick to that pot, and you're going to have to throw it away. Because ain't nobody about to be scrubbing until Jesus come, okay? <laughs> to get every last grit. Uh-uh, fam. Ain't nobody about to be here like, oh, Jesus, did I get all of them? Oh, no. Then You know, you know, you, <laughs> you know how you wash the pot, and then you rinse it, and then got to take your hand back through it? I'm like, dog it, it's FOMO grits, and they all in different places. Bring me the sponge with the hard back to it so I can... Whatever you don't stir is going to stick. I believe, and and I'm kind of theorizing right now. I don't have scriptural context to back this up, but I'm going to share it because I think it has weight. I, I believe that there are people who are experiencing a lot of mental stress later on in life because of unrealized potential. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of mental anxiety, there's a lot of disease present in the lives of people who have lived for a period of time, but they get to a point where they're looking back at life saying, What do I have to show for you know 40, 50 years? And and all those things that God put in them that they had opportunity to birth have stuck. And so now it aggravates the pot, if you will, of your soul. Because you got all this stuff in you that ain't never been released. And watch this. Now, because it's stuck to you, now anger and resentment sets in because you're triggered every time you see somebody else doing what God told you to do. Because it's stuck. So now you're looking like, doggone, I could have done that 20 years ago. Like, I remember, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not not to set in a a, a spirit of regret. Anybody else look at opportunities that we all could have had to, this this is one that comes up, right? To have bought real estate a long time ago? Anybody else passed up on it? You're like, ain't nobody going to spend that money right now. We just, we'll, I'm going to live my life. And now you're looking at it, you're just like, doggone, that thing is, if I would have got that, could have bought that for 40 cent and a can of Pepsi. And now it's worth 7.2 million. <laughs> it's a very capitalistic example, but the point is the same, right? That when when it sticks, you now have to deal with the fact that I'm at this space in life and it's just in me, right? It's just in me. So whatever you don't stir, first of all, it's going to burn. It's going to translate into something else that's going to abuse people, that's going to harm people. Second of all, whatever you don't stir is going to stick. Third of all, whatever you don't stir could dry out. It could dry out. It could literally fester and callous. Dreams that dried out relationships that dried out, opportunities that dried out. Last but not least, whatever you don't stir could become uneven or lumpy. Here's what I mean by that. There are some of us who get started on something, and then we leave it, and then we won't pick it up again, and then we leave it, and then when we zoom out, you have a very lumpy or inconsistent calling. Because we get started, and we don't stir it, and we get started, and then we don't stir it, and we get started, and we don't stir it. And then it becomes lumpy. It becomes inconsistent. It doesn't have the reach or the impact because we didn't stir it. We didn't stir it. And so now it's like an opportunity here and opportunity there, right? You're going to start your own event business, right? You started it. You, you got all into it. And then you did one event. And he was like, whoo, child. That one, listen, we did that. And you go live your life, right? And now, when times get hard, right? Because for most of us, our side businesses are not for purpose. We're trying to make money. So when money's good, we don't touch the side business. And then when money's bad, we want to go resurrect the side business that we haven't stirred in a while. So we're going to try to do another event. But now it's inconsistent because there's been so much time and lack of investment from the first or the second. Let's get a not money-making example. For some of us, we're called to help a particular group of people. We don't stir it. 
We get all gung-ho, right? Like, God has sent me to this people. I'm going to advocate for this group of people. And so you, you, you participate in one thing. You put on one event. You go to one uh, seminar. You find six or seven resources. You help two people. And then you don't stir it. And now you're trying to get back in the game, and the resources have changed. Right? So because you didn't stir it, you can't even be the best advocate because you don't know where those resources are anymore. And watch this. As it's getting lumpy, people are going hungry. The longer it takes for us to cook what God put in us, the longer the world starves. My question to you is, who's waiting on you to stir it up? Paul says to Timothy, listen, you have faith and you have a calling and you have gifts that are within you. All I need you to remember is to stir it up. But what moves me is that, Bishop, I have been quoting verse 9 and 10 my whole life. Never as being attached to this context. Let's read it. This is so powerful. Verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of what? Of fear. I used to quote that by itself like it was related to me being afraid of the devil and me being afraid of life experience. And me being afraid of what was going to happen in trials and tribulations. But the context of that scripture is that Timothy was afraid of himself and afraid of God's work in him. So the time when you need to be reminded that you don't have a spirit of fear is not when you're dealing with the devil. It's when you're dealing with your own destiny. Oh, you didn't hear it. I'll say it again. The time when you need to be reminded that God didn't give you a spirit of fear is not when a gun is pointed to your head. The time you need to be remembered in context that God did not give you a spirit of fear is when you are looking at your own potential. The context of that scripture is when you're going into a job interview. The context of that scripture is when you're going to speak in front of people who intimidate you. The context of that scripture is when you look at your homework. The context of that scripture is when you're looking at the church and when you're looking at what God has called you to do. That's the time where you need to remind yourself that God has not given me the spirit of fear. I don't have to be afraid. I just have to stir it up. Write this down. The real number one reason why we don't stir it up. Is just fear. Just fear. It's just fear. That's the reason why we don't start up. Mm, okay. I do have enough time. The answer to fear was three things. Power. Write this down. Power is your ability to influence a situation. John Maxwell, who I love, is one of my favorite leadership authors, defined power not just as authority, not just as might, it is influence. That's why some of the most influential people are not those at the top. You don't have to be at the top to have power. If you garner, you can garner influence from the middle. I have worked in places where even though I was the manager, I had to make sure that those cast members who had been there 35 and 40 years, I had to make sure they were in line with the change that I was going to make. Because even though I had the authority, they had the power. Why? Because they influenced the way everybody else. I could regulate it. I could say that this is how we was going to do it. But in order to get the buy-in, them ones that had been there a long time better had known about it and had adapted the vision. I had authority. They had influence. God says, through Paul, I'm not going to be the spirit of fear, but I'm going to be the spirit of power. The ability to influence the situation. I want you to remind yourself when you're standing, looking at stirring it up, when you remind yourself, I have the ability to influence the situation. If God lives on the inside of me, I have the power to influence situations. Even if not other people, I can influence the way I think about it. I can influence how I allow it to get to me. I can influence what I decide to do next, right? Give me a spirit of power, second of love. The Bible later on says that perfect love casts out all fear. Of love. Love giving you power, the ability to influence the situation, giving you love, the ability to want the best thing in a situation. I've given you power to influence. I've given you love to desire the best, most righteous outcome. 
Third, I've given you a sound mind. The place to make reasonable decisions. My prayer for you is that in 2019, your decisions will not be influenced by your anxiety. That they will not be influenced by you considering the worst possible outcome. That they will not be influenced by you considering what so-and-so did. But you have a sound mind, the ability to look at it and, and, and have ration, the ability to, to not be irrational. He says, that's your answer to being afraid. Let me tell you how, and I'm gone. How do you stir up the gift? Okay. Let's unpack what a gift is. There are two plays at work from a definition standpoint. The first is Paul is referring to spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Stir up the spiritual gifts that are within you, okay? For more on that, look at 1 Corinthians 12. You can unpack some other things about what the spiritual gifts are, okay? There were spiritual gifts imparted to Timothy um, when uh, they laid hands on him. So that's one element of it is the spiritual gifts. The other element of it, right, um, is I'm going to go from quoting the Apostle Paul to quoting Apostle Steve Harvey for a second, okay, Um, for the sake of just being theologically well-rounded, right? Um, Steve Harvey has given the best definition of what your gift is that I've ever heard in my entire life. He says this, your gift is the thing you do best with the least amount of effort. Okay, write that down. Um, I had been looking for a really decent discussion of what a gift was my entire life. And uh, when we spent time together at, at Dreamers Academy years ago, I heard him say that, and I will never forget it for as long as I live. He said, your gift is the thing you do best with the least amount of effort. So if you don't know what your gift is, that's where you start. What comes easy to me? What do I naturally just do? And, and some, sometimes the problem is it's not that we don't have a gift. It's just that we don't think it's a gift because it comes so easy to us, right? You're looking at how easy it is for you instead of how uncommon it is in the grand scheme of the world. Some of y'all just be braiding hair. You just be braiding. Like, you be braiding your own hair. You be braiding everybody else's hair. And because you do it easy, you just be like, don't everybody do hair? No, sweetheart. (laughs) Everyone does not. (laughs) Everyone does not. I, I certainly do not. Like, I'm very excited to have kids someday so that I can just observe how bad at it I truly am in some ways. Like, I just know I will not be the hair parent, you know? And it's not, it's not about gender roles. It's about, like, ability. Like, I'm just not, you know, like, I'm going to bring them to church. Y'all going to be like, mm, she let Princeton do the kids' hair this morning. Lord Jesus. Well, at least they saved. At least they saved. Because they... <laughs> Right. I took speaking for granted my entire life because it's what I do. I just wake up talking. Right. I'm just doing this all the time. And I kid you not, if you want to ever wonder what I do when I'm by myself, it's this. Like, I'm just not even joking with you. Like at four in the morning, I was up preaching this before I got here. I was going around the living room. I've been doing this since I was four. It's just what I, and so I used to think, like, don't everybody talk? Like, and we do presentations at work and I would listen to people and I'd be like, it's really easy. Like, you just, you don't even have to. And meanwhile, people who I was building with, they'd be like, Princeton, we need to practice. This is when it would really come alive. We would do group presentations in high school, and I'd be like, hey, what are we talking about? Okay, I'll, I'll see you Thursday morning. They'd be like, no, we need to have four meetings, and we need to write out a script, and we need to know who's doing the intro. I'd be like, fam, y'all just, what are we talking about? Okay, turn me loose. Let's just do it. We're going to get an A. It's cool. I'm going to just be honest because I graduated high school, praise God. Um, I would not do homework. Because I knew I was going to make up for it with the presentation. That's just, that's just, that was my hustle through high school. I am not smart enough to do this calculus. We're like, okay, I don't have time for this, but I'm going to tell you this story anyway. Um, I was in calculus, AP calculus. Don't know why I did that. I was not being led to the Holy Spirit. Um, and I took AP calculus, and we had to do this project. And you had to build a 3D model of this particular equation. Like, she would give you an equation, and you had to, like, I don't know what you had to do with it because I didn't do it. Um, and so... <laughs> So my cousin is an engineer. She went to Tuskegee, who I love. Diamond's phenomenal. And so Diamond just happened to be home at that time. And she, bless God, did it for me. Um, and so, uh, so I could, but, but here's the thing. The project was done, Bishop, but I didn't know how she did it. But part of the project was that after you turned it in, you had to explain, here was the equation, the grab, the, listen. 
Lord Jesus. I kid you not. This is a true story. And so I go to class, right? And I'm sitting on the bus the whole way there, right? So you had to, like, draw it into something. You build 3D model, and then you paint the, the poster board or whatever. So I made mine a ship just because that was the only thing I understood went like that, okay? So I done colored it, and I drew a sun, right? Y'all, I don't know this equation. I stood up there, and I went, I kid you not, Lord Jesus. I stood up there, and I started talking about what is really important on this is not the equation. This is what I did, I kid you not. (laughs) Is not the equation, but it is what it represents. You see, this ship is all of us in our journeys in life. And, and when I tell you the class did exactly what you're doing right now, and I got a B, fam. Bless the Lord. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Why? Because I stirred up my gift. My gift was not mad, but I'm going to talk my butt off. Listen, when I get into a pinch, if they ever try to capture me and kill me, I'm going to talk my black behind off. I'm going to talk to them about their childhood trauma. I'm going to talk to them about movies. I'm going to talk to them about everything to save my life. There's something that you're sitting on because it's common to you that will literally save and or change your life and someone else's. Okay? So if you don't know what your gift is, you have to start by saying, what do I do best with the least amount of effort? Okay? Number two, the second question you have to ask yourself is this. What problems do I run to that other people run away from? How does a fireman know he's called to be a fireman? Because he runs to the fire, the rest of us be like, Lord, hope everything work out. Okay? How does a lawyer know they're supposed to be a lawyer? They run two cases. Most of us couldn't ever read enough to be a lawyer. We just don't sit that long. Right? They run to that problem. How do you know you're called to to deal with children? Because you be in there trying to mother other people's kids. You'd be in the restaurant like, hi, what's your name? (laughs) My name is Sister Smith. That's a beautiful dress you have on. Other people be like, yo, can we eat? And you're just like, she's so cute. She was by herself. What problems do you run to that others run away from? Okay. Question number three to ask yourself if you don't know your gift is this. What do I talk about most often? This is a place that we don't look. And here's why. Because most people will say your gift is what you're passionate about. But how do I know what I'm passionate about? Like, give me something more tangible. If you survey your conversation, your conversation reveals your treasures. Let me say it again. If you analyze your conversations, your conversations will play back to you your treasures, your passions. Why? Because out of the abundance of the the what? So if I want to see what's in my heart, I should probably study my mouth. If all you do is talk about sports, maybe your gift is there. If all you do is go back to talking about eating right and working out, maybe your gift is there. And I can hang with people for about mm, a few hours and kind of pinpoint it. Because they'll find a way to move that conversation back to it every single time. For me, I be talking about church all the time. Like, all the time. I know my gift is here because every conversation. I be at work. They be like, well, you know, we can't figure out how to make this happen for our guests. Well, you know, really in church, what we have to do is um, we really, (laughs) right? It's what you talk about most often, okay? Four, you find your gift by spending time learning about the people who inspire you. You spend time learning about the people who inspire you. The reason why our inspirations are our inspirations is because we see pieces of ourselves in them. So if you study them long enough, it will reveal what that commonality is, right? Sometimes I study somebody because we have, we're from the same place, right? Sometimes I study a person because they went through a similar life experience. But sometimes I study them because there are aspects about them that really relate. And so one of the reasons why Bishop and I connected in the way we did when I first came over this way is because I saw so much of myself in him. And, and my, my friend Marcus, when he was talking to me about Bishop, would tell me that. He said, hey, listen, 
He's like, I ain't trying to convince you to come to the church or nothing, but you like fashion? Bishops likes fashion. You're a musician? Bishop's a musician. You called a pastor? Bishop is a pastor. You know, and he kept doing that, right? Like, and so now the time that I spend with him helps clarify more about my own calling. Why? Because I'll be talking to him and something will jump off and be like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. That's me. Me. It's me. This is why you oftentimes cannot find your calling out of community. Because God has sent people in your life to be mirrors back to you of what's in you. It amazes me how people tell me I'm trying to find my thing and they ain't talk to nobody at all. And here's the problem with our generation. We talk to get put on instead of to gain wisdom. Stop talking. So I'll say that again. We talk to get put on. Here's what I mean by that. We talk to get opportunity, not to get wisdom. Every meeting is about, can you, can you give me a job? Every meeting is about, hey, can you shout me out on your Instagram page? When instead, if you're trying to find out your thing, every meeting needs to be, hey, tell me about how you got to where you are. What was the hardest thing you had to overcome? When did you know you were supposed to be this? Did you try other things that got you to this? What did you major in school to get you to this, right? And if you don't have somebody like a T.D. Jakes, start with somebody in your local context. There are 20 people in this room who are more powerful than you understand they are. But because you only see them as church member, you have not tapped into what they do outside of these four walls. Listen, I want to know how you get to this state in life and drive a Hummer. I want to know. Deacon, whatever, we need to sit down and not talk about no offering. We need to talk about, okay. You imagine having your girl jump out the trunk and you would like out, you know what I'm saying? Like be able to step out. Usually, you know, you try to drive small cars. I want to be at that spot and got something huge. Like, you know, I want to be 82 with a range. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, why is this short dude jumping out of his car? Don't worry about it. I had some good conversations if I what my gift was, and now, right? I'm using dumb examples, but the truth of it is there's people around you who God has placed that will help clarify what you're supposed to do. When you find out what it is, and I'm closing here, your last responsibility is to find out who it's for. Gift is what you do. I talk, I speak, I preach, I am, man, I didn't have time to explain that there are creative gifts, there are physical gifts, and there are spiritual gifts, and then there are gifts of intellect, right? You analyze processes. Um, maybe, maybe I'll do another workshop on this so we can really unpack it. The, the second half of it is purpose is who it's for. Purpose is your reason why. It's your reason why. I say to you that 2019 must be the year that you stir it up. It must be the year that you stir it up. You must stir it when you don't feel like anything's coming of it. You must stir it when you feel like God's not in it. You must stir it when you feel like ain't nobody going to receive it. And you stir it by working on it. You stir it by practicing every day. You stir it by studying it. You stir it by watching YouTube videos about it every day. You stir it by practicing it by yourself in the mirror. You stir it by going to talk to people about it. You stir it by volunteering to do it even when you're not being paid. You stir it by finding out who did it before you. You stir it by asking your mom and dad, hey, how many of us have had this calling before me. You stir it by asking I wonder who else was a preacher. You stir it by asking I wonder who else was a female who was in business. You stir it by pursuing it. You stir it by saying I'm going to take a class on it. It might be an online class. I might be going back to the YMCA. I might be taking a class at church but you better believe I'm going to stir it. You stir it by getting your mind right about it. You stir it by getting your body right about it. You stir it by getting your emotions about it. Is there anybody in this church this morning that says I'm tired of sitting on it I'm tired of watching other people have a sense of achievement. I'm tired of watching other people walk into their destiny. This is my year and my season to stir it. And I'm at the point where I'm grown enough to not need you to tell me to stir it. I'm going to stir up the gift because I know what's on the inside of me. I'm going to stir it in the morning. I'm going to stir it in the afternoon. I'm going to stir it before I go to bed at night. I'm going to stir it while I'm in my car. I'm going to stir it while I'm babysitting. I'm going to stir it while I'm working out. I'm going to stir it in school. That's why I got 
do my homework because I'm stirring up the gift. That's why I got to eat right because I'm stirring up the gift. That's why I got to forgive you so that I can stir up the gift in me. That's why I got to spend time on my knees because I'm stirring up the gift. Hey mom, what are you doing tonight stirring up the gift? Hey Princey, you want to go out? No, I got to stir up the gift. Hey, why aren't you mad at them? Because I don't have time to let bitterness make my gift get stuck. I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to stir it with tears in my eyes. I'm going to stir it with anxiety in my mind. I'm going to stir it when they don't believe in me. I'm going to stir it when they don't think I can make it. I'm going to stir it when my money gets low. I'm going to stir it with pain in my body. I'm going to stir it. Somebody shout stir it. Stir it. Stir it. Stir it. Stir it when you're at school. Stir it when you're on your job. Stir it when you're at home. Stir it and watch God heal. Stir it and watch God provide. Stir it and watch God make a way. And now unto him, I feel it now, who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly according to the power that is within you when you stir it. And when you get afraid, when you feel like it's not enough, when you feel like it won't amount to anything, that's when you got to get yourself in the mirror, take yourself a nice shower, put on some good perfume or cologne, and talk to yourself and say, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. 2019 is my year too. My, my, my. I gotta admit that that end even feels good to me. Sometimes I listen back and I'm like, okay, that was totally not not me. Wow. Wow. How do you feel? As you reflect, have you been stirring it up? Have you remained committed to the purpose that you set out for yourself? If you have, I celebrate you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for sticking it out in this season. I'm proud of you for staying dedicated. And this is your moment. This is your moment to keep going. This is your moment to continue investing. And also, this might be your moment to rest. I don't know where you are on your journey, but this might be your moment to pause and to acknowledge the work that you've done over this year. Go on a vacation, pause, celebrate yourself, um, promote what you've done a little bit more. I don't know. But if you have, awesome. If you have not, there's grace for you. If you have not started up, don't go into beating yourself up mode because that does not help you. But take a moment and survey and assess and recommit. Because here's the thing about starting it up. When you're rolling with God, you can always press reset. In fact, the rising and setting of the sun is nothing more than a visual manifestation of the idea that we have the power to reset. We have the power to, in the cyclical nature of time, to know that this rolls around again some kind of way. Maybe even if not the same way, this will roll around again like a Ferris wheel. Hey, I, I missed it this go around, but I guarantee you when it comes on, I'm about to jump in there. So jump in. Decide right now, right now that you're going to stir it up. Why? Because you deserve that. It's inside you. And because what is outside of you deserves that. The investment that it took to get that inside of you deserves that. So um, there's some things I need to stir up in 2020. There is a book in me. In fact, there's like seven books, but I need to write the first. I need to stir that up. Um, there's some personal healing I need to do that I've been avoiding because it hurts. It hurts. It hurts to look in the face of some bad decisions that I've made and some hurts that I wanted to ignore and just prove I was okay from. But I need to stir that up. I need to stir up some books. I have a whole bookshelf of stuff that I bought that I'm interested in um, that, that's just sitting here. Like I, I buy books all the time um, and I need to stir that up. I need to stir up my reading to the next level. And then I need to stir up some more family time because uh, I got the rest of my life for my career. got the rest of my life to pastor. I got the rest of my life to be married. You don't always have the rest of your life with certain people around you. So... Again, I had a good year, some stuff that I did stir up. And I'll talk about that more in upcoming episodes. But for wherever you are on your journey, make a commitment that you're going to stir it up. Here's what I love. A good word can be applied even across seasons. So, yes, that was preached in January 2019, but you might need that to be your January 2020 word. So anyway, if this helped you... Uh, Please, if you can, rate 
and uh, subscribe to the podcast and comment. The, there, there are a couple comments on there that are so helpful. Thank you for those of you that has rated. Currently on iTunes, we have a five-star rating, and that's a big deal to me. That's a big deal because uh, it allows us to be seen and, and to be moved in a, in a way that displays us as being of value to people. And that's all I want. I want this to be a podcast that gets spoken of where people say, hey, um, if you want to really be motivated, really hear something of value, Princeton is a podcast you can listen to for that. And that would mean so much. So recommend it to a friend, rate and subscribe. I love it when you reach out to me directly. So uh, shoot me an uh, IG direct message. Um, hit me up, like the Facebook page at Princeton Speaks. Go to PrincetonParker.com. Email me at buildingwithprinceton at gmail.com or just info at PrincetonParker.com, either one of those. I love y'all so much. I really, really, really do. And I hope you are blessed. Okay. Till next time. Take care. With God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building family.